I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Another Marcus Meets, a show which is available via iTunes, podcasts for Apple devices, or you can listen via Acast, which works on absolutely any type of smartphone out there however you want to listen to us the easiest way of getting involved is by heading to marcusbronzy.com forward slash meets that's m-a-r-c-u-s-b-r-o-n-z-y.com forward slash meets now on today's episode we are joined by a legendary broadcaster who has pretty much worked on most of the national television stations and radio stations i mean Virgin Radio Now, she's done Radio 1, Radio 2, 5 and 6, um, she's been on BBC Television, she's been on MTV, on Capital Radio, I mean loads of things, um, so I was really glad when she spent a little bit of time having a conversation about her, what she's up to, what she's doing. Her name is Edith Bowman, and one thing I didn't know that she did was actually, she's quite a cracking photographer. I mean, I really like your photos, Edith. We always had cameras around as kids and stuff, so it's something that I was was just there, but I only really sort of start, started, I mean, I don't take it seriously, but uh, a real hobby, a real kind of passion thing for me. Um, probably when I started at Radio 1 and, and manipulating my access and getting, you know, side of stage to take pictures of bands and stuff, and then... When I was really pregnant with my first kid, I went and did a night class just once a week to kind of correct my bad habits and actually find out the mechanics of a camera and what it does and why things, why you have to set things this way and that way. So, yeah, it's been really fun, actually. And I just, um, it's weird, I just did a film for um, Country File, you know, BBC's programme that's going out in uh, January about my hometown and the director wanted me to incorporate my photography into the film so I had to take loads of pictures for the film that they're going to, you know, use which is really nice so it's, it was, it's weird the first time that I kind of like showed people because yeah. it's always just been something I've done for me that I just enjoy doing really. Cool and and you said you always had cameras around when you were younger yeah. Then, yeah? so is it like your mum or your dad? Or? Both of them, I mean not, not on any kind of great professional standard more just kind of like you know, uh, point and shoot cameras really and stuff. My dad did invest in a uh, an, an SLR when I was um, maybe about 12 or 13. And I was kind of fascinated by that and changing lenses and, you know, that kind of thing. Not everything being, being instant and sort of mechanical. So, yeah, I just kind of watched him really. Cool. And are you using like SLRs and stuff now? Because I know iPhones can take your cars first. Yeah, no, but- I've got, I've got, a, I've got a digital um, 
Canon 5D that I use with about five, six lenses. And then I've also got a second-hand uh, film Pentax camera that I've got with two lenses that I kind of use occasionally. Uh, in fact, that Primrose Hill picture was taken on that on film. On actual real film? Real film, yeah. Okay, so playing it down. But if you're like using real <laughs> film, then you're like, yeah, okay, you're into your photography. Um, what's your favourite type of photography though? Because I've seen like there's landscape stuff, there's portrait stuff. Yeah, I am... Um, when I was doing this course, I, up until that point, I was only really just taking pictures of bands, you know, be that kind of wider scale of, you know, the stage and, and kind of what's going on there, but also face and stuff. And through the course being one of the assignments I was given was to to do incorporate landscapes. And, and so I was kind of forced into doing it, but I really liked it. And then weirdly from this, uh, the country file thing, he was like, I need some... I need some landscape stuff from you as well as people. So it's quite nice. I quite like being given assignments. Yeah. I quite like it. Yeah. Um, quite, yeah. It's quite nice. I quite like it's when I watch um, when I watch like old Spider-Man and it's kind of Peter Parker's been given his assignments from the papers. Like that. I'm like, quite like that. Yeah. I've been like asked to do things. A little bit of focus helps with things like <laughs> yeah, that, doesn't exactly, it? Yeah, exactly. Or is it just standing around the camera yeah, going, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, should I take over? Yeah. My friend Toby, who's a, a great photographer, gave me the best advice when I kind of started taking it a little bit more serious. And he said, uh, he said, if when you've got your when you've got your frame, before you press the button, uh, just give it a second, because you might. It, don't be in too much of a hurry so kind of almost take a breath before you take that picture because you'll you either reframe it or you'll find something different within the, f the, sh the frame that you want to focus on so just really take a little advice. bit of time yeah take a breath take it in. Mm. unless it's like sports photography i suppose they're just like yeah yeah, yeah. everyone's on automatic with all yeah, that surely yeah, okay. yeah. But is there a picture that you've taken you're like oh, i really love that that's my favorite yeah there's well band wise there's one of florence that i took um uh which was at a radio one event in hackney yeah and um, she kind of just the way that the light was, and there's a kind of reflection off of her gold mic stand or microphone, and it kind of gets that sort of that sun shard. And um, I really, I, I really was kind of like, oh, that's quite good. I like that. So that's one of my favourites, definitely. And then there's kind of a nice one that I've got from. I mean, the Primrose Hill one I really like as well. I just think it's you kind of can't tell when it was taken. I kind of like that about it. It's quite, you know, I like the same way that I make my own take my own interpretations of people's music mm. kind of like that thing where it's it's an unobvious picture where you're kind of like where is that what is that when is that yeah. i like that about it this sort of um the unknownness of it very strong silhouettes in it as well so it kind of like you mm. said it kind of makes it feel timeless yeah lovely yeah it's good to know that uh, london weather can actually be beautiful <laughs> sometimes it can be yeah well, it can be dramatic as well that's what's great about it yeah most definitely mm. um speaking about coming from a different angle soundtracking yeah um your podcast mm. what's it about uh, well <laughs> well uh it's about it's really about filmmakers and their relationship with music both personally and professionally and the podcast kind of came off the back of me doing a show on six music um when i was there called uh, screen six and it never really got the love that we thought it deserved on the station it was kind of like we never had a regular slot. We'd kind of get two or three shows every three or four months. And I just felt like it's such a massive part of the art of filmmaking that there's there's a story, a con continual story that should be told. So um, me and a couple of mates who worked on the show anyway kind of decided that we would look at taking it out of 
uh, on our own. And so we spoke to a few film companies to see if there was, if they'd kind of, you know, give us the access to, to talent almost on goodwill to start with because we didn't know if it was going to, how we were going to launch it or get it out there. And they did, which was great. You know, the first interview we did for it was John Favreau. So to get someone of that stature uh, was was fantastic. And then that kind of really helped us to kind of go to other people. Look, we've, we've already done one with John Favreau. We could send them a you know really rough edit of it to give them an idea of what we wanted to do with it. And then, yeah, and so that's been, I mean, this week it's our 18th show. So we've been going for 18 weeks. Mm. Uh, and... We don't make any money from it. We do it because we love it, and we uh, and we just we want to kind of all never stop making it because you know there's just something different from each each week by week, and and you know and the great thing about it not being set, set by a broadcaster is that you don't have um, kind of defined goalposts. So we want to take it out to actors. We might actually be doing our first actor for it in the next couple of weeks. I'm not going to jinx it by saying who it is but mm-hmm. um but you know and also then bringing in writers and uh you know screenwriters and producers and the composers and stuff as well so you know there's a massive list of who we want to do in it and stuff so i, I love it i mean I'm, I'm off to do one today with a quite a new and young filmmaker called mike mills who had a great film out a couple of years ago called beginners that um uh, Christopher Plummer won the Oscar for for his performance, um, and then he's got this new film out called Twenty Century Women, which stars Annette Bening, uh, Greta Gerwig, and Elle Fanning, um, as well as some great male actors as well. But music is a, such an intrinsic part to the to the story um, and this and the, the time that it's set, and and the, also the generational thing as well with music. It's um, I'm really looking forward to chanting him. So it's nice to be able to kind of flip it around with it being new filmmakers, established filmmakers. Um, and you know men and women and across the board with film really so I love it I love doing it excellent yes it's a podcast uh, about film soundtracks which is a really it does interesting as it niche. says on the tin yes it's very Ron Sill with it <laughs> yeah that's it yeah that's um, so how important are film soundtracks to you uh, to me they're 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 hugely important I mean I think if you if you had the the ability to to watch a film and just mute the music in the film, the films, most of the films you watch wouldn't have the same impact on you that they have because of the music. And weirdly, this whole idea stemmed from an interview I did ages ago with J.J. Abrams uh, for the for the first Star Trek film that he worked on, where he said uh, he was, I can't remember how we got into the subject of it, but he said, you know, I was lucky enough to be invited to Skywalker Ranch to record the audio for, for, for Star Trek. And George Lucas took me into uh, to one of the audio studios and he said, I want to play something. And he played him the opening uh, first few minutes from the original Star Wars film. And it didn't have it. It was like... And so I think that um, we very much take for granted and underestimate the power of the music and the soundscape as well that's created by the amazing sound recordists uh, for granted and what's wonderful is you know and there are some filmmakers who don't use music like Ken Loach I Daniel Blake his new film there's there's any music in it at all he has used music in the past but some filmmakers don't use it and rely on it and everybody uses it differently Mm. so you know each case is unique but I think it's it's such an important intrinsic part of filmmaking 
definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. I don't think Jaws would be as scary without that sort of totally. classic Jaws soundtrack in it. In fact, I still think it lays a little light. It gives me a little shiver. <laughs> um, I always say to my friends, because I, I concur, like, I agree with you fully, that uh, there's loads of great music in film. And it's one of the last places you can find classical music that's, you know, being created specifically, yeah. you know, this year, last and year. You know, we're not listening to something from the 15th century. Yeah, 16th. and being listened to by a mass audience. Do you think film is going to continue to be one of the last places we get brand new classical music? Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, I mean, I think, you know, things like, uh, things like uh, classical specific radio stations and stuff are really important for, for <clears throat> pumping out new classical music but you you look at the the scale <clears throat> of what some of these composers are able to achieve uh you know i think and some of them are classically trained some of them are not um and it doesn't i don't think it should matter it should matter about how that music makes you feel um and you know and i definitely listen to a lot more classical music now because of how i am introduced to it through film than i ever did i don't know much i'm not i'm not in any way shape or form um in, informed on classical music I, I'm not classically trained um, uh, I, I know what I like and I know how things make me feel but you know I will very easily put on Hans Zimmer's interstellar soundtrack on vinyl at home because it's an incredible piece of music and it's the basis of that is a church organ so you know for me I think that um, classical music in the way that its score is, is made for film is, is, uh, is a great way of you know, you think about the amount of kids who love Harry Potter and you have that Hedwig tune written by John Williams, which is such an iconic piece of music. The Star Wars theme tunes, Indiana Jones, E.T., all that kind of stuff. They're, they're iconic pieces of classical music, score classical music that we are introduced to through film. So definitely. Mm. Have you got a favourite piece of uh, film music at the moment? Oh, man. Um, I I mean, I, I, I go back to again and again and again the... Um, the Hans Zimmer soundtrack from Interstellar, but there's a wonderful piece of music that um, a composer called Max Richter has done, which um, and he's wonderful, and he's someone that we're, we're going to be speaking to over the next couple of weeks for soundtracking. But he has this piece of music, um, I can't remember what it's called uh, off the top of my head, but it's it's used as a bookend uh, for Arrival, the new Denis Villeneuve film. And so the it's already exists and it's already used in a number of other films but Denise specifically asked Max if he could use it at the start and the end of, of Arrival and Max was quite apprehensive about it being used again in a film and so uh, Denis you know personally spoke to him about why he wanted that piece of music and why it was so important and intrinsic to the film and and it and it and it finalised in the film that, that Max was, was very happy for it to be used in that you know and the rest of the film is, is scored by uh, Johan Johansson so um, for me at the minute that, that, that Max Richter score element to that film is and has made me go back and listen to all Max other, other stuff as well excellent I'll check that I've seen the film but I'll make sure I give it another yeah, listen it's amazing yeah great film as well yeah really good do you think you'd ever want to curate soundtracks or be involved in the actual production of sound for film I don't know I'm not I'm not um, I'm a fan you know I kind of like whether it's whether it's doing stuff on music on my Virgin Radio breakfast show or whether it's doing the podcast I never profess to be any kind of um, uh, you know aficionado on it I'm a fan that's kind of where I always come to things from 
Um, I'd love to get involved in production on film, but that's way down the line. I'm kind of enjoying what I'm doing at the minute. Um, but I don't know about the music side of things because, yeah, I know a lot about music and I know I know a lot of music through being a fan. There's the, that, that seems to involve almost too much pressure, Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think it's that thing of almost you get a snapshot to see of seeing how how hard, how much hard work goes into it. And I think mm. you know you we we're we're spoiled because we you know we spend our money and go and watch these incredible pieces of art in a cinema, and you, you have no idea the amount of work that goes into it. So definitely, yeah, yeah. Great podcast though. Um, I Thank recommend you. people check it out. You did mention that um, making a podcast is different to radio, say conventional commercial and public service radio. Um, well, I, I think most, mostly it's just down to that, those kind of restraints and constraints, you know, in terms of you can do what you want. You don't have to comply to what your broadcaster expects of you. Um, so, you know, you, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's up to you that you have so much freedom with regards to it, be that the subject matter, be that, um, the discussion points, be that who you talk to, what you talk about. And um, the one thing that I think that um, is is an issue that for us in terms of the music, you know, we're limited in terms of how much music we can play with regards to the length of, of each track. And, and that's down to licensing and things like that. And I would never, ever want to um, to jeopardise uh, musicians and the work that they do because there's a whole discussion on that already with regards to streaming and stuff and making sure that artists are are um you know are paid what what they deserve sort of thing so we'd never want to uh, to kind of jeopardize that but it's it's um you know we we put a lot of production into into the podcast which um i think makes it stand out slightly to other podcasts that you know the the, the great thing about podcasts is the simplicity of them you can pretty much turn up with a microphone record you know top and tail it or whatever and, and stick it out there's not much editing that needs required there's not much production value you need required if that's the way that you want to go with it but we just felt that for hours it it for it to come to life and for it to be the thing that we wanted it to be we needed to weave in all this music so there's great things about podcasts and what i love about it is the fact that it gives it gives just people the opportunity to 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 make broadcasts and to make shows that they're passionate about mm. so it's um i think it's going to be a, a constantly growing um medium really Audio boom, I think alone of like they've hit a billion, a billion mm. listens or whatever or streams. You know, yeah. it's kind of it's the numbers are huge. Yeah, great numbers. Um, but you're also doing your broadcasting thing mm. as well, Virgin Radio. Um, how's the show going? I love it. I am. Um, I haven't enjoyed work um as much as this for a long time, and I think a lot of that's got to do with how um collaborative it is here. Um, it's just it's a real breath of fresh air to be honest. And when you know when Liam, my boss, came to me, um. Over a year ago, and sort of said, "Look, we're relaunching Virgin Radio. Love you to be involved. This is, you know, what we were thinking, you know, and, and being offered the opportunity as a woman to host a breakfast show on my own was was kind of like, wow, okay, because you know, my first question was who with, and it's like, no, 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 just be you. I was like, okay, and then just you know, from you know, the people that work on the show, Mick, my producer, who's just incredible. We have a great relationship and such an open and honest relationship. You know, we were joking yesterday about, you know, uh, 
you know, he was kind of saying about other people that he'd worked with in the past and how he, he really respects how open we can be with each other. And, you know, we can be idiots some days and be like, but, you know, it's not, you don't, you don't focus on that. It's kind of like, all oh, right, yeah, no, I, I agree. I disagree with you. Move on next thing sort of thing. And it's brilliant to have that. And it's brilliant to be able to bring so much to the table, be it guests, music, be taken seriously, everything to be given a fair shot. And, you know, and I booked most of the guests that are non-music related on the show. Uh, and it's a complete open discussion with regards to the musical guests that we have on the show. And I've never had that much freedom and say and involvement in a show previously. And so for me, it's a breath of fresh air. And I think it makes us really stand out in terms of, especially things like playlists. You know, I'm, we have playlists every Wednesday after the show, which I'm involved in. Uh, I've never had that before. And so for us, the playlist is about, and the music that's put on playlists is about quality and not quantity and not artist-driven. And it's like, oh, so-and-so's got a new record out. That will go on playlist. Well, no, it won't go on playlist if it's not any good. Mm. So I think that's utterly refreshing. For me, in terms of the past experience that I've had in an all number of radio stations that I've worked in. Yeah. So I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I've never had a day since we started. Uh, the first show was the 31st of March, 2016. And I just love coming to work. How important is it, do you think, for commercial radio to be making decisions in the same way that Virgin is, you know, being strong and confident in their decision when it comes to playlists and presenters instead of just box ticking, which let's be, I can be frank and say some commercial radio stations do, Virgin doesn't, but there are a whole heap of people that do. Yeah, I think that, um, well, it depends on what you want to be, doesn't it? It depends on what type of station you you want to be and depend, you know, depends on what audience that you're trying to hit. And we just felt like there was a little bit of a gap in the market when we launched, you know, those people who kind of feel like their uh, radio one's too young for them. They don't feel like they're old enough to listen to two. They like commercial radio stations. They like parts of commercial. They like uh, six music feels like a little bit too musical for them. So we just felt like music wise, there was a market there that we could really tap into. And for all of us, you know, we've got a great mix of DJs. And the, the one thing that everybody loves is music. So we're all really passionate about it. And we're not on the station and on the shows to be anything apart from honest and genuine about what we talk about. And that I think is what, makes it quite unique and different as well um and all the djs are really genuine to themselves as well they're not trying to be they're not trying to be something that they think someone else wants them to be it's about being genuine um and i do think that more more um commercial stations should try and strive for that yeah great and um where can we find your show so you can hear my show Monday to Friday, 6 till 10, uh, either on the Virgin Radio website, which is virginradio.co.uk, or on your digital radio, which you have, if you haven't retuned, uh, there was a big old push for retuning back in March because there was a whole, not just us, other radio stations as well that were being put on to the, uh, the system. And then we've got an app, it's free. So search your uh, app store for Virgin Radio UK and it's free and you can have us wherever whenever you want wicked and um with regards to uh virgin radio before we uh move on how are you coping with the earlies because everyone's got their own different style of the earlies it's fine i've got two kids they were my trainer <laughs> so yeah i just don't have to do the school run in the morning so yeah yeah oh. yeah no I, I, it's fine to be honest um i uh yeah i i, I don't have a problem with it at all all right. Yeah. Cool. 
Right, fair enough. Some yeah. people are like, oh, I've, I know. No, some people don't talk for like the first two hours of their day, and you know, you're yeah, up, no, you're well, up I, I would be in trouble if I didn't talk for the first two hours of my day. So yeah, it's kind of my job. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Um, so you spoke a lot about passion and music and filling gaps. Edith Bowman's songs to have sex to on Sky Arts. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What led you down that interesting path? Another area, kind of like soundtracking, it's quite an interesting niche to get into. Uh, I I had a meeting with uh, uh, one of the guys who runs who who runs Sky Arts, Phil Edgar Jones, who I've known for years, and. Um, you know, it's quite hard to get your ideas off the ground. Like, kind of similarly, what we we're saying about podcasts. Podcasts being a great way of going. I've got an idea. Well, you can just do it because the facilities are there for you to just do it. With TV stuff, it's slightly different. So, uh, I had a meeting with Phil just about he'd not long started Sky Arts and he wanted me to get involved in the station and uh, and the channel and doing some stuff. And so we just had this meeting, and he said that they had this they had a few seasons coming up. You know, sometimes TV channels they'll do seasons. So they were doing a sex season. And uh, I was like, he's like, so if you've, got any, if you've got any ideas for that, let me know. I was like, what about songs to have sex to? And he was like, that kind of went, oh, what's that then? And I was like, well, I kind of think there's two ways we could go. It could be, I don't, I don't want to go down the route of it being like a kind of, and at 10, you know, a kind of oh, chart man. thing. It's like, um, I, I wanted it to be a bit of an exploration about what does, you know, songs to have sex to is almost kind of like a little bit of a, of a, of a cheeky headline into something that's a bit more interesting so it's more about what music does to you and uh and and how it connects to us and then looking at certain songs and certain types of music that 
have assumptions that they are sensual and sexual and, and trying to work out whether the songwriters, um, you know, kind of had that in mind when they were thinking about it and composing and things like that. So, yeah, it was great. It was it was interesting as well. It was a really good learning experience because, you know, I'd never made a documentary before. So Sky suggested that uh, a specific production company that I do it with and then they brought in a director. So as you bring in more people, your, your initial idea gets slightly... Um, uh, condensed, not condensed, uh, diluted, sorry. So you have to, what I learned with that experience was that you have to almost just take a little bit of a step back and not be so precious about things and just, you know, the, the channel of a thing, a certain thing that they want to broadcast. So you have to fight your cause in terms of what you want it to be, but you also have to know when to back off and, and be, um, you know, find compromise and stuff like that. So it was a really good experience. Yes, it's a great show. And and you answer what I'm about to ask you in great detail. And there's loads of different opinions on this. But for you, what is it that makes music sexy? Um, I think the thing that makes music connect in any way is emotion and how it makes you feel. And that might be, um, might be a voice. It might be a chord sequence. It might be an instrument. I think each situation is different really mm, mm. and uh, and and you also dive into the science of sexiness as well in music which is like you said you know it, it could have gone like when you read the title you think oh is this a clickbait you know like you said and at five sexy yeah, yeah. but um you actually delve into a scientific area of it well, well yeah this is great um we spoke to a couple of people actually like a musicologist who ended up not being in the final cut of the show which is a real shame but um zoe cormier who's a scientist she calls herself a gorilla scientist and she's written this brilliant book called sex drugs and rock and roll and she, you know, music is the one thing and no other art form does it. Nothing else does it where it connects both sides of the brain. You take a cross section of a brain uh, of, a, of a composer and it will be very different to the cross section brain of a screenwriter or a painter or a photographer. Uh, and it is the one thing that connects both sides of the brain and how it has a chemical reaction on us. So that was really interesting to kind of get in, into that. So it, it wasn't about me. It's mm. about music in general. Great, great stuff. And um, you mentioned uh, book writing as well. And you, you obviously um, have Edith Bowman's great British music festivals. I'm not going to ask you, you know, do you like festivals? Because I know you do. <laughs> but what is it you wanted the reader to take away from that book? I wanted it to feel like a companion. So I didn't want it to be preachy where it's going, this is the festival you should go to. I wanted it more to be about, um, you know, if you if you have been to festivals, then hopefully this will remind you of those great uh, experiences that you've had if you've not been to a festival these are the ones that maybe you should try because by hopefully reading this you'll get a little bit of an understanding of what goes on at them and it was just it was it was a really lovely kind of almost a bit like a sort of um filing system for me in terms of going through all those amazing experiences i've been lucky enough to have work-wise you know and per personally as well of going to festivals um, in different guises over the years and just kind of almost taking stock at how lucky I've been to go to so many and stuff. Mm. And you've seen your fair share of festivals and am I right in saying they've increased in popularity over the years? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely more festivals than there ever used to be, but there's also a few, some that are going by the wayside and, you know, they come and go, to be honest. You know, Tea in the Park is a good example that's taken a year off this year. They've had a, a really hard couple of years where they were forced to leave the site that they've been in for over 20 years uh, so they had to find a new site and you're never going to get a fast festival right first year so there was 
you know, the first year there was a lot of teething problems with regards to traffic on and off site. Last year, I mean, I was there last year and I thought it was a great festival. They'd cut the numbers, so it meant like it had more of a boutique feel to it. A uh, beautiful site and they just keep coming up against negative feedback and responses. So they've taken a year off this year so they can address that rather than rushing through it. So, you know, I think that festivals need the support of us music live music you know going public to to be able to survive so we shouldn't take them for granted but yeah they're more popular than they ever have been i think wicked and what do you think the future of festivals has in store for us well i think what's interesting is that you find all these new ones that keep popping up that are uh they're they're more niche they're smaller it's not about the size of them the scale of them it's more about what they can offer that the other one doesn't so you know how you have all these great kind of like green man's a great festival because it incorporates the local kind of community and uh, as well as great music so fantastic setting but also you know bringing in local produce and supporting the local industry as well which is something that i think is is uh is really good and then you have these you know the kind of the enormous ones beat glastonbury or reading and leeds and things like that as well mm-hmm. are you a fan of festival grub as well i'm a bit of a foodie so yeah no i think festivals nail it when it comes to food now there's so much there's so much on offer mm-hmm. it's not like you're burger stalls and your Thai green curries anymore no, like no, it used no. to be no crap in a box there's exactly. like, there's well, like I mean you definitely get it in a box but it's not so much <laughs> crap yeah yeah that's it Um, what again you've done loads of festivals is there a, a specific memory that holds a special place in your heart in terms of festival experience probably watching my my husband play for the first time at Glastonbury was was um was pretty special it was a big deal for him because it was the first festival he ever went to as a music fan so um, they played like five times over the weekend the first week first time that they played but um yeah that was pretty amazing just seeing the response that they got so, yeah. yeah how'd that make you feel just proud really yeah, yeah. amazing experience I, yeah. I guess um so you've done festivals um we've spoken about your books spoken about tv it's fair to say you're a successful broadcaster um the radio side of things you know correct me if i'm wrong radio one two five six virgin yeah. radio there's quite a few people that listen to this that are interested in getting into broadcasting. Yeah. Have you got any tips for anyone that's interested in, in becoming a professional broadcaster? Well, I think you've got the means to do it. You know, there, which weren't there when I started. Yeah, I, I kind of did it by getting work experience at my local radio station and, and being a bit of a sponge and absorbing everything and, uh, you know, being able to help someone, whether it be filing CDs or editing something or doing research, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of learned the production um uh, important elements before I even went and started thinking about being a broadcaster really which I think is really important and really helpful because you have an understanding of what everybody else around you is doing but you've got the means there of, of making your own broadcast be it a podcast or putting together your own show so for me it's about people that are uh, truthful so that's about being honest and truthful about what you talk about but also that notion of just be yourself don't try and be someone some that you think someone else wants you to be don't be like a broadcaster because it can be it's really transparent um and you know i'm I'm not gonna stick with it yeah hey like none of that oh, sort that of that kind of, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Smashy i'm wacky and, and crazy yeah. yeah 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 and then you know as the mic goes down they're kind of like yeah. the most depressed person in the world <laughs> it's just like yeah yeah listen to what Edith said take that on board um you do loads, so I'm going to ask you about forthcoming projects. What can you tell me about that you've got coming up? Um, I haven't got many plans at the minute, to be honest, because I am so 
busy at the minute with mm-hmm. the radio show and with um with the podcast as well. You know, it's still early days for that. We've only been going eighteen weeks. Um, I'm hosting Film 2016 next week, which is a big deal for me. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, I'm slightly terrified. It's like 28 minutes of TV, but it's like it's going to feel like a lifetime as well as a blink. I think in the same sentence. Mm. But I'm really excited about that. And you know, it's really important for me just getting the balance right. You know, I'm a mum of two. Uh, I'm a wife, and I. It's about making sure I get that balance right. So, mm. you know, I'm lucky enough that I'm doing the things that. I want to do uh, and I also have a great support network that uh, you know really allow me to do the things that I want to do so it's about it's about the balance I don't want to add anything else onto my plate at the minute because I'm loving what I'm doing good good that's really good to hear and you're really busy but when you do get a little bit of time to chill out how do you like to kill a bit of time normally walking around Hampstead Heath with my headphones on or playing Star Wars with my kids yeah, fair enough. Star Wars is good, but how good is it walking around the Heath? I feel like it's such an under, it's like an underused place. It's don't the, tell too many people about it because I quite like it that way. Yeah, I mean, there's the top of the no, I won't tell anyone. <laughs> the top of the Heath's my favourite bit. But um, is there a specific area of the Heath that you like, or do you like just covering yeah. random parts of it? I'm not going to tell you because then there'll be yeah, <laughs> then there'll it's be masses place. of masses of people. It's on my the place. Heath. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll take north. You take <laughs> south. Um, I, I know we're pushed for time, so thank you very much my for pleasure. giving me some of yours to have a chat here. And um, yeah, um, like I said, soundtracking is amazing. Um, the production value is really good on it. What do you want to um, do? What do I want to do? Mm. I want to continue making stuff to entertain and educate people. So whether it's educating people about other broadcasters that have interesting things going on. Um, we have a brother podcast called How to Kill an Hour where we investigate different ways to kill time. Um, I'd like to produce visuals as well, which I have been doing. And yeah, just continue my journey into broadcasting Wicked. and carry on cracking on thank you very much for My asking pleasure. even though this is no. all about you today <laughs> it's um, a conversation though it is indeed it is it indeed and, and uh, yeah if we, if we had more time um, I would have loved to ask you loads more questions and and uh, not rush through everything I feel it's been a little bit rushed today but no I'm know. not that interesting ah. <laughs> but yeah best of luck with uh, the film 2000 thank you and cheers mate and yeah alright cool thanks cheers. for your time cheers right, well thank you very much Edith and thanks for asking me what I like to do as well um so now you know even though um this episode was all about her really um make sure you check out the amazing podcast called soundtracking i've put a link to that and also the other bits and bobs that edith is up to at the moment in the show description but thank you for listening to this episode which is produced and hosted by i marcus bronzy thank you to the co-producers billy wright shane powell david shawcross special thank you to milo fisher in research and wide awake aka cj beats and his mate Jordan Crisp for the intro and outro music and stings. Don't forget you can listen to Marcus Meets via podcasts for Apple devices. There's an app on iPhones and obviously iTunes if you're on a Mac. Or you can listen via Acast, which works with absolutely every single digital device that I know. If you're unsure of what will work with your phone, computer, or whatever you're listening with, tablet, etc., you can head to marcusbronzy.com forward slash meets to listen in any way you desire i'd also love your feedback in the form of a rating and review which you can do by going to marcusbronzy.com forward slash review that's m-a-r-c-u-s-b-r-o-n-z-y.com forward slash review to make it simple we've put a link in the description for you as well thank you very much for listening to this episode the next one will actually contain some guests from another podcast which i really really like 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I look forward to bringing that to you is. Thank you for listening. Ciao.